Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. We are back with the second half of my conversation with MUFON's National Director for Australia and New Zealand, Dr. Roger Stankovich. Our first part together was uploaded Tuesday. If you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend you do before starting this one. Totally different information. He told me about some really intriguing sighting and encounter cases that he had investigated and went into details about the phenomenon of animal mutilations like the regular markers seen in those types of cases and also some anomalous aspects that have been seen as well. It was really, really interesting information, so be sure that you catch it. Support for the Paranorm Girl podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. With summer here in full swing, let's take a second to talk about self-care. When it comes to making an impression, proper grooming is essential to looking and feeling your best when you walk into a room. That's why the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, are committed to helping men around the world walk and talk with some swagger this summer with the best grooming tools on the market. Help him join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and enjoy this offer. 20% off plus free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. Don't neglect your beautiful self and get right this summer with Manscaped. For the sleekest version of yourself, Manscaped has you covered from head to toe, starting with their brand new Beard Hedger Trimmer. With one guard and 20 adjustable lengths, it is the perfect travel companion fit to take care of your beautiful mane wherever you go. Next in line, who can forget about their signature performance package 4.0? Included in this ultimate grooming bundle is the star of the show, the Lawnmower 4.0, which is equipped with skin-safe technology to minimize nicks and cuts in all your sensitive areas. So, once again, Manscaped supports the Paranorm Girl podcast so much They provide an exclusive offer to my listeners. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PNG. Feel like yourself again and take charge of your life with Manscaped. All right. Picking up right where we left off, please enjoy the second part of my conversation with Dr. Stankovich. He did say, though, he, he seemed hesitant to label it as extraterrestrial. And uh, that that was curious to me. I was wondering, what, what are your thoughts on that distinction between non-human intelligence and extraterrestrial? He didn't want to go there. Well, if he meant extraterrestrial as in, um, uh, in the distinction between something being interdimensional or extraterrestrial, um, but it, they were classifying as as non-human intelligence um so i i I find it hard to believe that something can be interdimensional and crash on on earth like so for example if you've got um something that has the ability to travel interdimensionally surely knows how to overcome uh, what do we call strong nuclear forces which are the forces that hold atoms and neutrons together um, and that's what, if I can bang my hand on this table here, 
that's what's stopping my hand from going through that table, the strong nuclear forces. I'm not a physicist, but at least I know that. Um, so if they can travel interdimensionally, why do they crash? That, that just doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tend to believe that they are actual nuts and bolts objects which um, have probably devised a way of getting to travel faster than the speed of light by manipulating space-time and it's and how they do that I don't know and communicate via instantaneously via maybe quantum entanglement communication we can't do it on we we, we don't have the facilities to do that here um, but maybe they've devised a method whereby they can <clears throat> modify uh, or manipulate the properties of quantum entanglement to for instantaneous communication because you've got to communicate you can't just be um going out into space and um not communicating with your your base for origin you know mm -hmm. you um you, you just can't do that i mean we're still communicating with the the voyager spacecraft as far as i'm aware um that left the solar system quite a long time ago um yeah. so um I don't know how they do it, but I think it's it's physical craft, and I don't know whether it's interdimensional. I think that's what what he means by not being necessarily extraterrestrial. Um, and and it, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I think the general, I don't know whether I can speak for others, but um, I think the general consensus within the UFO community is that they are extraterrestrial, not interdimensional. But um, just depends upon who you speak to, and um, yeah, I mean, how do you explain the crashes? You know, right? How right. You explain the crashes if they can if they can manipulate um, dimensions. Doesn't make sense. Sure, sure. And I think I think the skeptical argument on that on that is, oh, if they're you know they're from another planet, they they they're so advanced that they can come here and then they crash. Well, hmm. I mean, you know, well, we think we're that, advanced and <laughs> and uh, we crash. Yeah, so. well, that that's not necessarily an issue. Um, mm -hmm. If even if they can, if then even if they do have the the ability to come here from a distant planet doesn't necessarily mean that they can't they won't crash it, it's just like you know the space shuttle is one of our most advanced um space vehicles and yet that crashed twice the columbia and the well, i can't remember the other but the name of the other space shuttle but um uh this is you know the space shuttle was one of our and and the concord you know um it doesn't matter how advanced the vehicle, the chances, the probability of something going wrong is still there, no matter if you're on Earth or if you're on a distant planet in a distant solar system or on a different galaxy. Um, that's my, you know, it's just a matter of probability. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I would agree. Absolutely. Um, well, they... We they also talked about, and I've heard this from other people too. Like I think Lou Elizondo has talked about this as well. They talked about um, the malevolence to yep. some of these encounters um, and uh, cases. And you know, like I was speaking about the benevolence before, so it's it's it kind of caught me off guard, and it it makes me a little hesitant because I I fear that it's pushing a threat narrative. But do you think there is? there's really anything to that like like is that something that we should really be getting behind that there that there is a malevolence here let's be careful with this like let's be super you know tentative about making contact like how do you feel about that uh yeah, being thrown um, in the ring i i'm in two camps in this regard because i think that 
um, they have like, I mean, if they are abducting people and if they are mutilating animals and there are cases of human mutilation, well, then that's a form of benevolence. Uh, benevolence in the sense that, okay, if they have the technology, why didn't they take over ages ago, you know? So there's two sides to the argument. I can see, uh, I can understand both sides. And I did listen to that recent um, interview with Lou Elizondo about, um, and he said, oh, why don't you uh, put 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 a um, put your, put a hat on um, and imagine that you are um, now in the military and basically you um, know that these objects are uh, flying around in our skies with impunity and we don't know uh, we have no means of controlling them um, and oh, I can't remember the exact interview I'm sorry but but basically. It, he was impl implying that there was um, some security risk um, in the sense that um, we don't know how to control something um, that's that's flying with impunity in our air and mm -hmm. in, our, in our skies. And um, so so I can, I can understand that, that he, he tends to push that narrative, whereas I think that uh, Greer tends to to push the the opposite narrative say that you know he wants to contact them with the C, the C5 protocol and he's saying that basically um yeah what I was saying before that if they wanted to take over and they wanted to um uh interfere with us then they would have done years ago because they have the technology to do that or maybe it's a surreptitious thing where they have actually, if you believe in it, and I don't know what to believe in terms of human hybrids and whatever. If I if I state that, then you know, I could. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, if they're taking over in a in a surreptitious way by um, mixing our genetics with theirs, or then and then trying to um, create hybrids and take over in a in a fairly cryptic way that we don't really know, we we can't detect. I, I I don't know. Maybe it, it, it's such a complex um, argument that I don't know what to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it it, it certainly is. Um, well, um, David uh, also talked about uh, he, he was he was saying that you know the main reason he was on there, the U.S. has secretly been retrieving these craft and and reverse engineering for decades, like we talked about. Um, he talked about the secret program, secret government program that's been doing this for 90 years. Do you have any insight or suspicion as to what that means? What is this program? Uh, so basically he's referring to special access programs. So I started looking at that um, a few years back where uh, there was a leaked memo uh, called the Wilson Davis memo. I think you might be aware of that. I've heard um, of But this. it referred to, it referred to um, special access programs where in 97, uh, 1997, there was a meeting between Stephen Greer, Admiral Wilson, Thomas Wilson, and uh, uh, Will Miller and a few other people where they were looking into special access programs that were hidden in the Pentagon or the rogue access programs or called uh, unacknowledged special access programs. So there's programs within the Pentagon that are, that are known, you know, you don't have to keep secretive, uh, and there are special access programs which deal with sensitive issues that they're or, or um matters that they're dealing with when they're developing 
uh, something like a secret aircraft or whatever that they're dealing with. That this this meeting alluded to a hidden SAP which was dealing with reverse engineering off extraterrestrial or off-world vehicles. Mm-hmm. And Wilson at the time was quite upset that he was J, uh, very high up in the Pentagon, J2, uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he had no access to this special access program. So he decided to make some inquiries and he pushed to gain knowledge and fail. And so what happened after that is that um, he contacted Eric Davies, who... And in a way, Eric Davies was was well known through needs and whatever, and he he was working with Bigelow and Skinwalker Ranch, and he was a well known astrophysicist. So he um, requested that he have an interview with Eric Davies uh, at the back of the EGNG building in a car, and so Eric took notes. Apparently, this is allegedly took notes of the conversation, and in a way. Basically, I think what Thomas Wilson wanted to do is to disclose his uh, efforts to try and break into a, a special access program dealing with the reverse engineering of off-world vehicles to Eric Davies. But he qualified, the caveat was that if you tell anybody what I've said to you, I'll just completely deny it. And that's what actually happened. So Eric, the notes actually were distributed uh, to the to NIDS and then ended up in Edgar Mitchell's files. And when he passed away in 2014, a guy from Australia actually located the, the actual document. Mm-hmm. And um, Richard Dolan actually um, uh, disclosed or um, leaked the document out to on a, on a podcast that he did uh, shortly after it was uh, the document was given to him. And he said he'd actually seen a couple of pages of the document several years before. So that's where it all started. And uh, that's where we sort of like got an inkling of the fact that there were these special access programs that possibly could have, you know, uh, reverse engineering attempts by corporates through aerospace industries linked to the Pentagon. So there was a link to the Pentagon. It might be, you know, a couple of people that are in the know. Um, and certainly Wilson was not in the know. He wasn't on the bigot list, so-called bigot list. And um, so that's where it began. So that that that's going way back into 97. And then there was a leak of that document later on in uh, 2005, I believe, that um, Richard Dolan had seen it. And then later on, it was leaked in 2019, I believe, by Richard Dolan when James Rigney had given him, the, had had sent him the document. Um, and so, so basically... We had an inkling that there was these, there, there were these special access programs or unacknowledged special access programs within the Pentagon, but also, uh, sorry, that they, they were associated with the Pentagon because there were people that were working at the Pentagon that had known about these special access programs, but they were divested to aerospace companies. So when you, when a uh, an extraterrestrial vehicle had crashed, there was a program to completely cover it up, take the vehicle and then transport it to a a corporate aerospace uh, company like Lockheed Martin. Right. And they would they would um the government would um wash their hands of it and say, okay, well we want to know what's going on with it, but um uh we don't want to have you know any formal association with it because um basically the government couldn't keep it because you can't 
uh, if the if an aerospace company has one of these vehicles, you can't um, lodge a FOIA request through the, the company. So basically, it it um, uh, enables the government to dodge um, FOIA requests for for um, access to information regarding these programs. And so that's what he's referring to. He's referring to special access programs. So they're, they're buildings that are located within aerospace companies or outside of them, and we don't know where, possibly underground, uh, where these vehicles are kept. And Grush has information from extremely reliable sources to say, and these are actually people working within the programs, that, that he knows uh, he's been given information about the whereabouts, the actual code to the program, um, the people that are working on it. So he has very, very specific information that is given to Congress under oath. Um, the reason Arrow didn't, the all dom all domain, uh, sorry, the all not anon all all. I, 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 <laughs> I, I can't remember do. the acronym. <laughs> I do. All domain true. resolution office. <laughs> Um, anomaly Resolution Office. Yes, um, yes. They didn't have a Title 50 access, so basically okay. um, they're, they're not um, privy to the information, although Kirkpatrick could have pushed for, for Title yeah. 50. I feel that, um, you know, um, he, uh, David Grush, did go to, to Kirkpatrick, uh, Sean Kirkpatrick and, said, and told him about what was going on, but um, he had to turn a blind eye mm -hmm. um, because they didn't have a the, the Title 50 access. So he's he, yeah. So he's referring to special access programs that are waived. They're not acknowledged that they get funded by black, black budget money. And this is where uh, Kirsten Gillibrand is now um, putting a stop to it by um, amending the defence bill by saying that uh, for the uh, fiscal year two thousand and four, that basically the National uh, Defence Authorisation Act will now um, uh, stop funding. Uh, aerospace companies that have these objects and that are, you know, unless they disclose that they have them. I don't see how that's going to exactly work unless ca uh, the Congress actually has every detail about where they're located. So they must know where they're located right, and, right. and where to find them. Because if you didn't, how would you enforce that rule that, you know, you won't be funded Right. And you've got six months amnesty to actually tell us, but within that six months, they could be divested to other areas. They could be moved, um, hidden somewhere, given to something, someone else. I, I don't know. Um, so it could turn out to be a big furphy because by the time they get around to, um, you know, raiding them, mm -hmm. <laughs> and basically they could have divested all their all the material and then it makes us look like absolute fools that it was just a big hoax um or some psyops i don't yeah, know yeah i don't i don't, I don't think uh, uh gillibrand is is bluffing here um and if uh, david grush has has all those locations and and all that information and he is free to tell them everything um yeah i think uh that is definitely not a bluff and so that's given no i don't think it's that, a bluff uh, no. yeah yeah would you call it a flurf flurfy furfy a furfy no i i <laughs> i i think i think she's she's um uh she must know that there's something to this along with rubio and gallagher and yeah. a few others um i think that they know a lot more the gang of eight also they 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 know a lot more about what's going on that they can't divest to the public 
Um, so basically, um, I, I think they're serious about it. And I, I just think that I, I'm not sure whether if they do happen to know about this information and know about the fact that there are craft and they've located them, whether they're going to, you know, give that information to the public or they're going to make that public that, yeah. yes, we have located craft in saps that were hidden for years. I mean, that would open up a Pandora's box, I reckon. I think it'd be just like opening a can of worms and there'd be a lot of questions about it. It could be um, that it could open up questions which are quite sensitive relating back to abductions and because, you know, we have the reality that these craft actually exist Mm -hmm. because physically we've got evidence. And then we, you know, that there's a multitude of questions that can be asked surrounding the fact that we've got the craft they're here we've got the pilots so you know are abductions real you know have they occurred uh, you know have people you know that have gone missing you know is the phenomenon related back to missing people yeah. which you know there's there's millions, you know thousands of people that go missing and there's the missing 411 that david polides is um you know, his theory that um uh, and his recent documentary about the fact that um, there might be a UFO relation to missing people, um, it opens up a bit, uh, opens up a big can of worms, and um, and also there's the there's the impending threat, you know, that they could be malevolent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, how do you answer that question? You know. Well, we'll know soon enough, or or we won't, and and they won't share yeah. anything, you know. Um, it's all yeah. just kind of a waiting game. It's very exciting time to be alive yeah. right now, though. It is. It is. It, it, it's a very exciting time. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, um, you know, it's they've done this now. And it, it's 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 basically you've got your senators to thank for the push towards the disclosure. I think it's it's great that America is doing this. And we're all looking, you know, at, <laughs> to America now because <laughs> our government is just totally useless, I think. Yeah, oh, well, well, we're only 90 years late on, on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, how uh, do you think it's safe to assume that one of those craft retrieved is uh, Roswell's? How, how, I, uh... <laughs> I, it could well be. Um, I, uh, yeah, I heard about Roswell in 87. I um, have been following it for quite some time, uh, the story for quite some time. Obviously, I haven't done as much you know, research as some of the ufologists that like um, Stanton Friedman. Well, I did I did contact Stan Friedman when he was alive, and, and um, there was some information given to me that I passed on to him by an anonymous source. Um, uh, and uh, so we did talk about things, and there were documents that were released and, and about um, the Roswell crash and... Then the Air Force came out with the um, case closed publication. There were two publications, but they were saying, uh, look, we did lie. It wasn't a weather balloon. It was actually um, a mogul balloon, which is a, a train of balloons that crashed, apparently, that was uh, spying on on Russian uh, uh, nuclear explosions. So I, I still don't believe the story that it was a mogul balloon. I believe that um, it, 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 it must have been a... A craft of sorts because of the um the evidence doesn't point to mogul balloon um being a possible explanation because um it was they they pinned it down to flight number four which um it wasn't launched on the day that it was supposed to be launched mm-hmm. and um 
uh, there's a researcher called David Rudiak who uh, did a lot of uh, very interesting work with wind direction analysis uh, on the day that it was supposed to have crashed on the on the Foster Ranch, and he worked out that basically there's no way that if this balloon was released on the fourth of June that it would have landed on the Foster Ranch or whatever whatever date I'm not sure of that date sorry, um, but if it, if the Mogul balloon answer uh, the Air Force think that, that that's a good answer well then. Why weren't they tracking these mogul balloons if it was so sensitive? Yeah. You know, why cover why cover something like a mogul balloon? Like if it's so sensitive, why didn't they track and pick them up? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. apparently they used to scatter the whole countryside and people knew, you know, Jesse Marcel knew what a mogul balloon was. Right. He couldn't, you know, mistake it for the material that he found. Um, it just doesn't make sense that this is a mogul balloon. And um I think that the, they they could have the craft, um, um, the original craft. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine. It, it would just blow my mind if they, if you know, they went in with cameras and then just look. This is the actual Roswell craft that we found. There it is. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this is the craft that crashed in Corona, and this one, and you know, Magdalena, and, and you know, like and. Mm-hmm. This is the Aztec craft, part of the Aztec craft, et cetera, et cetera. I just yeah. be, yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine it happening. It just, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, I think it's such, such a sensitive issue. And then people, I don't know, people say, oh, no, we can take that sort of stuff, you know, we, you know, um, but really, uh, I don't know. I, I just, you know, like, look how we took COVID, you know, like it was just such a disastrous. Yeah, yeah, um, we, we we did not take that well as a as a didn't take it well on people, you know, people hoarding stuff like toilet paper and all <laughs> ridic- yeah. doing ridiculous oh, but, things. But but we can take you know. crashed crash craft and and yeah. abduction. <laughs> it's not fine. a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah, as as much as I I want disclosure and and that kind of disclosure, I just so so want to know. I just want to see yeah. and I want to know. Um, yeah. I, I think you are, you, you might be right on that, that, um, yeah, we probably wouldn't take it very well the entire, entire scope of it. Not, no, not at all. Yeah. You've got to look at all the variables and, um, it's, it's a multifactorial thing where basically, um, you, um, you think, okay, well, you know, the gen- general public select don't know what to think about it and, uh, they find it incredulous, but, and then, uh, they have, but they haven't actually been studying it they're just on the outskirts of the ufological society and they're sort of like um basically when they hear it they think oh rubbish or who cares you know like i'm thinking well i i i can sort of sort of understand that attitude because um if you haven't been studying it for the time that i have or uh, other people have yeah it, it you could take a flippant stance when it comes to this the topic but uh for other people in in the in the field who have been studying it for such a long time it's 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 a moment of um you know like of utmost importance to us and yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah no because <laughs> no, i i you know i've i have crossed that line officially like i i can see how easy it is to be very flippant about this and or not to not want to dig into it. So you think you know what's going on, but you really don't. There's so much information to digest yeah. um, and it's so overwhelming. But as soon as you start getting into it, 
and you start listening to the stories and understanding the different aspects of the phenomenon and how literally impossible it is for any of this stuff to happen uh, the way yeah. that skeptics, yeah, Mick mm. West would explain it. Um, yeah, it's uh, once it's it's kind of like once you open your eyes, you can't close them again. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's, it's kind no, of like that right. where, you know, it's a paradigm shift a little bit. but um, It is a paradigm shift, yeah. yeah. So it's it's also um, they talk about ontological shock. Well, basically, it is ontological shock to think that you were leading your life without this aspect in your life since you were born, and then all of a sudden, you know, you realise that oh no, you know, your life has been totally different. You know, if you um, you know, like reality is not what it seems. You know, we've been living with this for millennia, and basically, we didn't know about it. And it's the ontological shock of of actually experiencing. That will, you know, when reality hits you, you know, you you actually, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 trying to trying to I don't know uh, grasp the uh, the reality of the situation in terms of um, what you lived your life previous to what it is now, and when if disclosure happens. You know. Sorry, I haven't put it succinctly, but um... <laughs> no, that was I I got all of that, and uh, yeah, I I will be quitting my job immediately. <laughs> if it should happen <laughs> well sir um i uh this has been absolutely just uh mind-blowing and and outstanding to speak with you and it's been such an honor today we we've gone like almost an hour and a half that's awesome oh right well that's <laughs> I <told> <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. (laughs) No, I I could I could talk for hours and hours about this stuff, but uh, I think that's a great place to uh, uh, bring us to our final segment, final questions, final thoughts, and then uh, we'll take it out. Sure. All right, all right. So uh, these I've prepared for you. Uh, Just want your thoughts or or speculations, however you want to answer them. First uh, question. I guess I'll throw this back at you because this is what we were just talking about following first public undeniable to the masses contact. Uh, what are some of the changes you expect? Um, so let me rephrase that question. So uh, what you mean by contact is um, uh, not, not disclosure. Is that what you, can you just, just rephrase just a, it? An, an undeniable we now we know there there's ontological shock. We now yep. know we can the public cannot deny it. Anymore. So the public cannot mm-hmm. deny it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, just to, just to start off with, um, the debunkers will deny it. 
Um, so you'll find out that debunkers will deny it. Okay. And even if it's coming from the president's mouth, mm-hmm. um, they'll they'll request, you know, testing of the craft and testing of the of the beings, and then they'll even deny that. So um, they're going to be in constant denial. But um, I think that the public um, will take it fairly well initially, and then when the penny drops and it and the actual reality of it sinks in. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to see a change in everything <laughs> in terms of religion. And uh, the, the Vatican may be, I don't know, they're a bit more progressive. Um, they're taking on board the fact that we've got, you know, God has got not just us, but he's got, you know, we've got brothers and sisters out in space okay. and, you know, meet your brothers and sisters, you know, so basically... Um, some religions won't take it very well because they believe that these extraterrestrials are demon, demonic in nature. Mm-hmm. So you've got that aspect of it. Um, I think that probably stock markets will crash um, uh, eventually, uh, uh, you know, when there's ever uncertainty about, you know, uh, the civilization not being able to control what's in our airspace. You know, that's a, sense, uh, a sense of uncertainty and Whenever there's uncertainty, you get, you know, the stock market crashing, uh, going into countries going to recession, um, people panicking because they think, okay, well, you know, how safe am I when I walk out of my house? People have been abducted. There's, you know, uh, who knows? Um, I, I think it's a difficult one. You'd have to, like, I'm sure that experts have done that scenario where they've looked at all the, <clears throat> all the different combinations of permutations of what can actually happen in society after disclosure. And it's probably some of it could be good, um, but I can see a lot of it being not so good. So um, it's difficult for me to actually think of everything, every possible thing that could happen. But um, I, I think there will be a sense of insecurity, definitely. And it's in a sense of awe that, oh, my God, you know, we do have extraterrestrial life on Earth and it does exist in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, a lot of people believe, may have believed that, you know, because, you know, how could we be the, the only life form in the entire universe? Yeah. Some skeptics are saying that, you know, basically, yeah, yeah there is life out there, but, you know, for for a life form to be, for two, so, for example, we, we're, we, you know, we're, here on Earth, and we've got another planet in a distant galaxy that that um, has got a civilization that's intelligent. The chances of two civilizations being at the same stage, or one being further ahead than other, the other is extremely rare because the, the universe is something like fourteen billion years old. So it's yeah, it's the ontological shock of realizing that basically we are uh, not alone and. You know, um, we don't have any control, and these these are beings that are actually, you know, immensely more intelligent than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and here we are thinking we're at the top of the food chain, you know, in terms of intelligence, and and we're not, and um, uh, we can be controlled. So you know, we'll go down that peg, you know, that one peg where you know there's this higher form of intelligence that's that can control us, and that feeling is uncomfortable you know yeah yeah as to whether they would control us or not um, they have the potential to do it so you know well you know i mean uh, i i i think that way too like if if they 
if they were going to, they would have by now kind of kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, I'll hold out hope. I, I'm I'm the the utmost optimist about most things. So <laughs> I'll be I'll be looking for you know a good change. I'll be looking for that silver lining. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, next but, question. Yeah. Uh. In the aftermath of Grush's interview, what uh, what's something that's been set into motion, or some things that have been set into motion that are taking place? I'm I'm gonna say behind the scenes. I don't mean like covertly or in secret, but just taking place that he's set into motion that maybe the bigger public isn't quite aware of, isn't quite keeping up with. Like like what's what's now taking place in government? What's what's taking place in Congress? What thanks to David is happening now? Well, thanks to David is basically uh, that he has had the the uh, strength and the um, courage to actually come forward on a topic that's extremely sensitive and to try and um, find out what what is actually what's the reality behind um, what what everyone's been talking about in terms of um, these these crashed vehicles that suppose that we have and and basically what what's happening is that he's approached uh, Congress he has um, put the wheels in in motion for disclosure and sorry what was your question about the, the what the public doesn't know that's going on right now right regards right. to okay so 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 basically since he's gone and testified under oath to congress congress is changing the legislation or amending the defense bill to allow us to get one step further in terms of being able to determine whether this is a reality or not mm-hmm. So I think Congress is trying to flush this out. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to flush it out to see is it, you know, is this actually what is happening? Um, and I find it hard to believe that it's not um, because there's going to be a lot of people trying to have to explain why this happened. You know, why did this happen? Why did why did Grush get informed by? people who are in very high places in intelligence as to why they believe that this was going on, that this, uh, the reverse engineering of extraterrestrial vehicles was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, what, why are they pulling some sort of hoax? You know, is it a psyops or why is it a psyops? If it is a psyops, why are they doing it? You know, it just doesn't make sense that this could be a psyop. So I, I would tend to err on the side that this is real. You know, this is something that is actually, you know, it, it, it is real. So basically what, what's happening in Congress now is that there will be a point in time where something will be disclosed either to Congress themselves and it'll stop at Congress and they'll know. And the only way it's going to get out to the public is by leaks okay. from Congress. Okay. And that's how the public is going to be informed. Um, not the majority of the public will probably are not interested or maybe, I th- well, actually, let me rephrase that. I think the majority are actually interested, but because it's so sensational. But um, I don't think that the, the way that this is going to be disclosed is by a slow drip method. And basically it's going to leak out rather than, you know, President Biden going on a podium saying, we actually do have, you know, craft that are hidden in special access programs. You know, we found that out. Congress has worked it out. Um, that's not going to happen, I don't think. And basically, um, I think that um, 
it, you know, like we're going to, we're going to get closer to, to knowing a bit more and with more whistleblowers. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get closer to the reality of the, and we're going to know a little bit more about uh, the actual special access programs because no one knows anything about them. Um, we don't know where they're located. You know, we don't know who runs them. We, we, we've got, in, we've got, you know, we can guess uh, the Patel Institute. We've got North of Grumman. We've got Lockheed Martin, um, Bigelow Aerospace. Um, we've got all those obvious ones where perhaps they have special access programs, but we don't know any details about where they're located. We, we you know, are they underground? Are they on site? Are they off site? You know, um, nobody sent, tends to know anything about them. And this is the big disconnect between what we know, like all the data we have on UFOs is from civilian and military reports. And then we have this huge quantum leap into actual hardware and actual bodies. But there's a disconnect between the two. And I don't know, that's a paradox. I don't know how to solve that. How do you have all this information through 90 years of you know, public reporting, even presidents reporting seeing UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got the other side where you've got infant data, but it's not directly relating to actual physical evidence. And then you've got physical evidence, which is supposedly sequestered into uh, these saps, which we don't know any information about. It's paradoxical that, yeah. you know, there's no trail between the two or they've that this is being solved now with Russia's whistleblowing is that now the dots are connecting between that are resolving this disconnect between the data that we have by the public and military is connecting it to the physical hardware by the whistleblowing acts that are happening now. And then it's just a matter of executing that to actually getting to the hardware but when that happens, it's a matter of, you know, do you disclose it or not? You know, this is going to be a big decision by Congress to, you know, have they thought about this? If they do find something, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to disclose it or not? Is it, you know, if they do disclose it, is it going to cause a lot of problems? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All well said. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. All right, sir. Uh, final question. It'll be an easy one for you. Since this topic... UFO ET phenomenon is so overwhelming. There's so much to it. And uh, a newcomer might not even want to start because it's a lot. Yeah. There's a steep learning curve for you. Yeah. Where should they start? Where would you recommend they start? Yeah. Um, I've got to scratch my head with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Um, gee. I, I started um, by reading books and... I don't suggest that they start doing that. Um, but, you know, you've got multimedia. You've got, you've got um, social media now. And um, basically, if they go onto Twitter, if they go onto um, Facebook, they, they, there's, there's tons of information on Twitter. Some of it can be, you know, dubious. And uh, people are just stating things. But then people, are, you know, sometimes post things about um, historic events in um, and uh, like I, I do a lot of historic stuff um, on Twitter um, where I'll post something about the Royal School or I'll post something about, uh, I just recently posted a, um, a tweet on um, the, the terse memo that apparently was penned by John, uh, John F. Kennedy and 
So I like documents and I like going through historic documents and how that related to MJ12. And so it, it, uh, you, you, can, you can start by looking at one particular facet of the phenomenon that you're really interested in. And that's what I did. I, I started looking at documents, you know, and then researching them. And um, uh, or you can you can go on the complete different tangent if you if you want to look at uh, videos on YouTube and uh, or you can join a UFO organization you can become a member you get um, uh, join MUFON I, I suppose I should plug MUFON <laughs> um, you get a, a newsletter every month I think they we, we keep you abreast of what's going on in the world um, in terms of what we know. It's it's difficult to know where to start because as, as as you say it's it's you know like it's it's a very steep learning curve and and it just depends upon what you're mainly interested in. I'm I'm mainly interested in in animal mutilations because it's physical. I'm mainly interested in physical evidence in terms of is that if it's a document or if it's an animal that's been mutilated or a crop circle or something that I can or pieces of metal that someone's found. And uh, currently I'm working on on that as well on a case um, in Europe. Where metallic fragments are being analysed, um, I, I really like looking at physical evidence and trying to relate it back to the phenomenon. But you know, that just depends upon what they're interested in. You know, they might be interested in something entirely different to what I'm interested in in the phenomenon. You know, they might be interested in abductions and just go right into abductions. But yeah, it's it's, it's so hard to to figure out what you like. It just just go with what you you feel you're passionate about in the field and. And then read up on it and join an organization and look up YouTube's go on social media and find out as much as you can about it. Okay. Okay. I love that. All right. Well, uh, sir, where would you like to direct folks to follow yourself, follow MUFON? Oh, I've I've got I've got a Twitter um site. So if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, um, they can. And um, yeah, I mean that's basically where I'm mainly at the Twitter account. Okay. Um, I need more followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to follow me, yeah. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Listeners, go follow him. He he does put up some really, uh, really educate, uh, wonderful educational stuff on on your Twitter. I've been seeing a bunch of the. I, I Thank you. know know which document you're talking about. I was just looking yeah. at it before, earlier today. Last night. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, all right. And I will put, uh, you know, any, any pertinent links that you would like in the show notes, of course, um, to, you. uh, wrap up this episode, would you like to leave us with any final thoughts, words of wisdom, or a piece of advice? Um, be passionate about what you do. And, um, if you're following this phenomenon, yeah, uh, put, put your heart into it and, um, it, it can reap your rewards in terms of, I don't know, just, ex um, broadening your mind. Uh, to a, a degree that you wouldn't believe would be possible because I think that something like this, that's um, one of the biggest pieces of uh, news of, of, uh, in the world that, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's something that is, is so amazing to know that, you know, we're not alone that, uh, you know, um, I, I think that basically, yeah, just follow your heart and, be passionate about what you what you do if, if it's not about ufos you know going into paranormal stuff or 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 anything else just be passionate about it and it does reap your rewards sorry i don't know whether that uh, sounded okay or not but that was awesome i'm trying my best <laughs>
Thank you. All right. All right. Dr. Roger Sankovic, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Christina. It's a pleasure. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Roger, for appearing on the show. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today and showing your support and enthusiasm all season long. This will conclude our season five guest chats and deep dives. We have done the work, guys, and soon we will reap the conclusion. Please do follow and reach out to my guest on Twitter. He also manages the Australia New Zealand MUFON page over on Facebook. Both are incredible resources and direct links for both can be found beneath the description in the show notes. Something that was brought up in the hearing that took place on July 26 was how and where can the public go to report their encounters and sightings. MUFON and other organizations like them have been investigating the public's claims for a very long time. They have been the ones willing to listen and laying some really important groundwork behind the scenes in the process. And they are still at it. Let's not forget their valuable contribution and dedication throughout and that they are a resource to the public as we continue to watch this phenomenon unfold. And one more thing, if I might also add something to one of Roger's answers to the question on how someone new to the subject might get started, because I think more and more folks every day now are going to want to know this phenomenon on a deeper level and are getting involved. And because this was my experience, I wanted to share it with you guys. Like he was saying, as far as finding one aspect of the subject that you are interested in and going from there, I would add, if you really don't know where to begin, I would suggest taking a look at any one of the cases of abduction, sightings, and crashes themselves. If you are thoroughly looking through these cases and considering the evidence and the findings of the researchers, it is inevitable that you will come across one that completely blows you away. You won't be able to help but believe the inherent feeling of truth to it and soak it up and best of all, want more. And that's it. That's all I wanted to, to add to that. Just a little pink. Uh, please rate and review if you really enjoyed this guest or any guests that I have had on the season or any other pleasurable aspect of the show's entirety. You are a cool kid for doing so, and I appreciate the gesture so much. Follow the show on all socials at ParanormGirlPod, except for Threads. Haven't yet checked that one out. Uh, send your thoughts directly to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. That is where you can do that, as well as including any thoughts specifically on this episode or suggestions for the future. Speaking of the future, the future is great to keep in mind. Amazing things can happen with your guys' input and a little elbow grease. I enjoy putting my intentions and dreams into action and watch as they later unfold. But sometimes it's best to reflect on what has come before. That can be incredibly validating. It can also be incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> but both of those reactions can inform your next step. So 
Let's Look Back Together. Join me next week for Paranorm Girl's 100th episode celebration and look back on just how far we have come. Fair warning, this is a special episode. It's not going to be what you might have come to expect here. It's going to be my opportunity to dress down and get comfy and just play. And I invite you all to that party. I'll be sharing some stories and developments that I may have never revealed before. I don't know, because it's all part of the process that uh, uh, brought us to this moment. Uh, Second fair warning, I will be bringing my full quirk next week. So if you don't already realize what a giant dork I am, you will. (laughs) I'm too old to be embarrassed about being silly anymore. Uh, That is a wrap on this week's episode. I'll see you all next week. Be sure that you stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.